the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome to the Thursday, October 12th edition of Lifeline. All right, let's get right to it. Latest word today is that smoky conditions as a result of the North Bay fires are causing delays at the moment at San Francisco International Airport. In fact, less than an hour ago, visibility had been reduced to just seven miles, causing arriving flights to be delayed up to two and a half hours on average. Now, earlier today, the SFO duty manager reported heavy smoke that reduced visibility, preventing airplanes from landing simultaneously. Yesterday, the smoke resulted in some 80 flights being scrapped and delays throughout the day. So it looks like this afternoon and into this evening, more of the same. So if you're expecting to head out of SFO or you're picking somebody up from the airport tonight, be aware check the arrival of their air flight because it could be delayed for as much as two and a half hours. Let's get a report now on the progress of not just battling the fires, but where things stand at the moment, both in Napa and Sonoma. We're joined by Rob Mayberry, Information Officer with the California Governor's Office of Emergency Services. Rob, thanks for taking time to be with us. Give us an update from the perspective from Sacramento and all that's being seen um, in these fires throughout Northern California. Where do things stand at the moment? So, uh, so right now we are, you know, we're still fighting. We have a lot of challenges ahead of us. Uh, weather, of course, is a huge challenge, and uh, we're not out of the woodwork yet. We, uh, you know, the weather with the winds, uh, we still have that an issue, and it could cause uh, a lot of headaches for us. But um, you know, we've had uh, currently 21 fires ongoing. Uh, it's burned over 190,000 acres. And just in over 150,000 of those acres are in the Bay Area counties alone on Mendocino. Um, we also have Sonoma, Napa, of course, and then it, as it's moved into Solano. So um, you're getting a lot of the smoke um, from those areas, uh, which is uh, causing you know, havoc with the uh, air, air traffic and so forth. But, um, you know, we again, we have a lot of challenges ahead. We've got to uh, get through the... The, the weather challenge and remain vigilant and resilient and um, see through this. You know, right now there are about 300, uh, 3,500 homes and commercial structures that have been destroyed or damaged. Um, so, and, and we uh, feel like that number is going to increase as our de- damage assessment teams get out there on the ground and start seeing uh, firsthand what, what has happened. Within the last 24 hours, of course, Governor Brown has uh, declared a state of emergency. Federal aid has been offered by the president. The governor suggested that before it's all said and done, the damage total to this incident, when we look at tremendous loss of property, loss of life, 
could be in the tens of billions of dollars. I mean, those numbers, Rob, are absolutely staggering. And I have to wonder, in terms of just the ability of our state to respond to, to a disaster of this sort, it's got to, this has got to, I would imagine, even uh, begin to um, overshadow events like the 91 Oakland uh, Berkeley Hills fire or even the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. It is, you know, these these fires have been pretty devastating, and you know, it's just heartbreaking to see all the destruction they have caused to families and communities. And we know it's going to be very costly. You know, it's too early right now to speculate what that uh, cost is going to be, but we know it's it's going to be uh, fairly high, and and um, it, it could be record breaking. We don't know at this point. Um, again, once we get out there and start getting firsthand uh, some of the information together and and that's what we're you know that's what we're here to do you know we um uh when this this started happening you know our emergency the state operations center activated we are now running at 24 hour uh a day seven days a week uh responding to these fires um you know we even have asked uh other states for uh, additional help and resources and so we have uh, additional services and resources coming in from from western states and all the way out from North and South Carolina. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, law enforcement officers out there, nearly 1,800 mutual aid uh, firefighters out on the battlefield. And when I say mutual aid, those are uh, communities coming together, not, not just, uh, that does not include the CAL FIRE uh, uh, firefighters that are out there. And we have approximately over 8,000 firefighters alone fighting this fire. Um, 389 fire engines and multiple ambulance that communities, Bay Area communities, have helped in assisting fighting these uh, fires. We know that, of course, Rob, in addition to the mutual aid, National Guard has been called out. Neighboring states have provided uh, resources as well. The one concern, of course, is fatigue, that after a while, when you're looking at the enormity of this fire and the multiplicity of fires, and days now are going into, you know, it's Thursday already, and before we know what the weekend will be here, we'll mark one week while there's been a little bit of settling, and it seems as if the weather, at least yesterday, cooperated a bit better than we were first um, thinking. I have to wonder if there's been any consideration or has there been any discussion at the level of the OES for the need to even call in um, backup from resources like the United States military? Would that even become necessary, or are the resources deep enough to be able to provide some relief to all the frontline fighters that have been on this job since Sunday night? California is a, a huge state. We have a lot of resources, and that's that's what our job is here at uh, the Office of Emergency Services. It's we uh, it's like a chess game. We we got to make sure we're moving resources at the right time into the right, proper places. Uh, you know, we still have resources we you know keep down in Southern California because you never know when um, the Santa Ana winds are going to strike up, and we're going to need to have our resources down there. So we have resources available, and again, you know, our neighbors are always there. We can uh, call on and help, and we're always there to help them in, in time of need against neighbor helping neighbor. So um, that's what we do. We you know we we do realize that you know these um, hard uh, fighting and these hard working firefighters are out there. They they're going to need a break at some point. They just can't keep doing this, and definitely we 
we take that into consideration and move the pieces and the, the personnel and the equipment where it needs to go, when it needs to go. I know that once this is all said and done, the fires have been contained and now the process of, of rebuilding begins, there's going to be a time at which the OES is going to step back and say, okay, let's evaluate the efficiency of the response. What did we do right? Where did things fall short. One of the few complaints that we have been hearing, um, not in terms of the, the caliber and quality of the responders, because we know to begin with, they're, they're absolutely overwhelmed by all of this. But one of the things that we've been hearing in terms of complaints has been the lack of efficient communication that some people have said the first time that they knew that they needed to evacuate was when they heard neighbors honking horns, pounding on the door, that a fire that five hours before was heading in their direction suddenly had barreled down on top of them and seemingly no notice from authorities in sufficient enough time to get out with anything more than the shirts on their back. Is that being discussed right now as this continues to be an active event to try and see if there are maybe more effective or efficient ways to communicate with people. I know there have been talk about maybe using the Amber Alert system, which which may have its challenges, too, just in terms of the sheer number of people that would not be impacted that would suddenly be getting these notices. Any talk or discussions at the OES about the communication challenges? Well, you know, in, in any event, after any event happens and, and we go back and we look, we definitely look at, you know, what, what worked, what didn't work, and and uh, take that into consideration. You know, there are lots of uh, warning systems and alert systems and uh, notification systems out there, and every county, um, uh, they might have a, a different type of a system that they're using. And um, so, you know, it really is kind of the counties need to look at that and see uh, what, what, what they're, what's, how it's operating. Um, you know, but what's really important here to know is that, you know, that's technology, and there's uh, technology in a natural disaster um, it, it's just no that it could, it can fail. I mean, you can have cell tires, cell towers that get uh, knocked down, destroyed, damaged, and, and so you don't have cell service. So, um, you know that that has to be considered. That's why you know our our local uh, law enforcement agencies they go door to door. They they knock you know, at the doors to make sure you know people are evacuating. So it's important that you know that's why you still see here, see that happening because yes, sometimes you know uh, communications can fail at any time, but of course we will look at all um you know the whole the whole event the incident as a whole and see what again what worked and what didn't work so Yes, we will be doing that. We appreciate the update. There is Rob Mayberry. Rob is an information officer with the California Governor's Office of Emergency Services. All right, we're at 514. We'll get you an update on traffic here momentarily. We're also going to spend some time here uh, coming up in a few minutes um, talking about the economic impact of all of this. Uh, as the governor suggested, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars, what that will mean for the California economy, what it will mean to California. California taxpayers and what will mean in a odd state of affairs where suddenly certain industries are moving, such as the construction industries. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, uh, later on in this first half hour with uh, Pat Fitucci. Um, we mentioned yesterday and yet again today school closures uh, throughout the North Bay section because of air quality concerns. Uh, we've now gotten word into the KFAX newsroom that San Francisco State University will be canceling classes tomorrow due to unhealthy air 
air quality from the North Bay fires. Classes are canceled from 5 p.m. this evening, just about 15 minutes ago, through Sunday. So that will include weekend classes as well. The closures affect the main San Francisco State campus, as well as the downtown and Tiburon satellite locations. The Wellness Center on campus there in San Francisco will remain open to provide services for students and members. The pocket fire burning in northern Sonoma County has now chewed through some 8,000 acres with little or no containment. It broke out Monday off of Pocket Ranch Road and Ridge Ranch Road in Geyserville. There are now mandatory evacuations in place for portions of Geyserville and Alexander Valley, that affecting the stretch along Highway 1. 28 that's east of 101 so again mandatory evacuations now in place for portions of geyserville and alexander valley affecting that stretch along highway 128 east of highway 101 sadly in the last 72 hours while the toll on property has been enormous more so the loss of life. Nearly 30 now dead from the firestorm engulfing California's wine country. Officials this afternoon reporting that now 28 individuals have been confirmed dead and hundreds remain yet unaccounted for in the onslaught of fires that began Sunday night. Sonoma County Sheriff Rob Giordano today reporting that 15 of the deaths are in his county. Two have died in Napa, eight in Mendocino, four in Yuba County, Flames have destroyed more than 2,800 homes and 4,400,000 square feet of commercial buildings in Santa Rosa area alone. Crews will continue to battle some 21 wildfires that stretch into Southern California, driven by both high winds and extreme dry conditions. Cal Fire officials saying that um, they've got a long road ahead of them, certainly in trying to control the Atlas Fire in Solano County. And uh, we give a listen now to a spokesman on behalf of CAL FIRE, David Shu, saying the fire has claimed lives, though at least there in Solano County, no reports of deaths yet. Solano County Sheriff Thomas Ferreira said that 2,500 county residents have been evacuated, 13 structures destroyed so far, urging residents to be prepared to evacuate. Currently, the fire is still very active. We are only at 3% containment for a fire that is over 40,000 acres in size. The Atlas fire uh, started, uh, and very soon afterwards, the, the huge winds that we had that evening precipitated an onslaught of fires which California has rarely ever seen. We had very few resources simply because of the number of fires that were burning simultaneously throughout Northern California. Fortunately, today, we have many resources coming in from all over the state, as well as four, uh, five other states. And, of course, one of the big issues here, and this is an important reminder for personal safety, evacuees are being warned not to try to return to their homes because of the ongoing threat of fire, falling trees, and energized power lines. So, again, in those areas where there have been active evacuations remaining in place, authorities are urging you don't try to return to that area because of the ongoing threat of fire, falling trees, and power lines. All right, we're at 519. Let's get you quickly an update on traffic. The latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. As we say, good afternoon to Michael Bennett. Michael. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program 522 on this Thursday, October 12th edition of Lifeline. As we continue our coverage of the ongoing fires in Northern California, one thing is for certain. No one really knows when or what the final outcome of the fire destruction will be. But this we do know. The economic impact to our state will be enormous. Joining us now is retirement planning specialist and wealth management specialist Pat Vitucci. Pat, when we talk about events of this sort, whether it's the recent hurricanes and destruction that happened in Texas or the same thing that occurred in places like Florida or in um, Puerto Rico, we know that there's an economic impact. There are loss of jobs, loss of residences. At the end of the day, though, when we look at the multiplicity of natural disasters that have fallen against our country in a short period of time, and you look at just the sheer enormity of the impact, like the fires in Northern California that have so far already destroyed 190 thousand acres. I wonder how insurance investigators can even begin to wrap their arms around what the final outcome of the number of of the damages will look like. Yeah, Craig, our our hearts go out to all those lives that have been lost and and, and, uh, their homes have been lost. So it's a a devastating issue. And certainly uh, from a financial economy point of view, insurance companies are are um, going to be, be totaling up a lot of lot of claims now. Fortunately, they have a thing called reinsurance, where if they have a bigger preponderance of exposure in any one area, whether it's Napa, Sonoma, or any county, they always what we do call reinsurance. They they spread the risk among a number of other insurance companies. So, I think they're going to be okay. Here's the, here's the only silver lining that comes from devastations as the ones you uh, described. It gets to be a giant economic bounce, and think of all the construction jobs, all the lumber, uh, uh, all the all the craftspeople. They are going to be uh, all over Napa, Sonoma, Puerto Rico, all the places that you that you named. So it does create uh, an economic bounce, despite all the loss and loss of lives, and you know the, the whole rebuilding effort will be uh, a big boost. You know, think about Home Depot and Lowe's, and, and, and just goes up and down the line, whether you look at the lateral uh, or, or, or vertical integration of all those suppliers that supply goods and services to all these areas. So it's, it's going to give, in a, in a perverse kind of way, a, a bounce to the economy. Not that we welcome it, but... Uh, it is what it is. We've had our share of, of um, really terrible issues in the last couple, three or four weeks. That we've, it's, it's, we're almost getting uh, anesthetized to how severe all these, all these storms are. And to be sure, the the economic impact, this is a knife that cuts both ways, as you aptly point out. Uh, there is the, the silver lining behind this tragedy, that it's going to be a balance for construction industry and, and all of the associated trades that have to do with home building and, and whatnot. And, and yet we pause and look at the tremendous loss. Um, people have had their lives completely uh, disrupted by this. There are, fortunately, a good percentage that have gotten out, and they have their 
your family's intact. Uh, for that, we're grateful. Tragically, some 29 individuals have lost their lives in this fire so far, and it's not over with yet. I have to wonder, on the downside to all of this, does this put any downward pressure on things like uh, insurance rates? Do carriers come back and look at these areas where we see so much of urban sprawl entering into forested areas with increased risks where potentially they come back and raise the interest rates much as for example you would in an area that is prone to flooding well certainly insurance claims are going to uh, be analyzed and uh, sadly anytime you submit claims whether it's uh, for a fender bender in, in your car or your fence falls down or in, in this case your, your entire home burns down it could have a, a, a pretty good premium increase. Uh, now, consciously, they've got to be careful not to uh, alienate their clients. If you, if you recall the Oakland fire, where nearly 3,000 homes were burned, there was a lot of contention and a lot of uh, governmental regulatory oversight into whether they were going to be gouged now that they had submitted, submitted the claim. I mean, that's really what it's, what, what it's all about. You're you're giving the liability of that kind of exposure to an insurance company, and so by rights they have they have to pay the, pay the claims. Now, ensuing premium increases are 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 they've got to be very careful not to gouge people immediately afterwards. You you know you you know it's going to come out in the next couple three or four years where they've got to they've got to equate the claims versus the premiums, and the underwriting has got to. Be, re, be recalibrated based on the actual exposure. So it's it's uh, it's not an easy business to be in. Uh, Warren Buffett loves the insurance business. He calls it kind of a toll taker. But those premiums keep coming in. But sadly, when um, when uh, the claims hit, no one no one likes those from the insurance company bottom line point of view. From your economic perspective, what kind of pressure is this going to place on the real estate industry? We know in California overall, and we've seen this, you and I have talked about this um, many times, that there is a lot of downward pressure uh, because of the economic boom in California, what's happening in Silicon Valley. We've seen what's happened to housing costs here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Does this now have the equal effect up in the northern portion of the Bay Area, where all of a sudden real estate is an extreme premium, and you're talking about 3,500 people or 3,500 residences that have been lost. Those are 3,500 people that didn't need a house yesterday that tomorrow are now looking for housing. So what does this do to real estate prices? Yeah, that, that's, great. that's a great point. We know inventory prior to these giant losses were, uh, was very low, and so it was difficult if a home came on the market it would get bid up to some, you know, high levels, and now all these people, three thousand plus people, need homes, and with even smaller inventory, and it's going to take years to build those homes back. So, it's got to have a, a, a effect where home prices go up, even in the North Bay. I mean, they were lagging behind, certainly Silicon Valley, maybe even East Bay, but now North Bay is going to catch up to the to the uh, frothiness. Of prices, and um, these folks have to live somewhere. And whether the government comes in and brings those uh, those trailers in, like they did in with uh, Hurricane Katrina, um, we'll see. But you know, we'll have to relocate until the homes get 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 rebuilt. We know 
It takes months and months and months just to work through the quagmire of insurance claims and and getting um, regulatory approval to, to build a new house and so all those hoops have to be jumped through. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be very tough. I mean, you, you lose your home and you lose everything, your pictures and everything else. Um, now to face a, a really tight housing market is just uh, another um, hoop that you got to jump through that, that's not going to be pleasant. And you couple with that a lot of these individuals who have also lost jobs now because the company that they worked for has been burned out. And so suddenly you've lost your home. Um, insurance will certainly pay some of that, but now you've got an existing note. What happens with that note? Does the insurance company in the meanwhile pay off the note if you're, uh, you know, two years into a 30-year loan? What happens to that? Well, they, they, they still have to make the payment. The, the insurance company will give them some big check to, to uh, replace the value of the home, and they've got to square up with the mortgage company, so that debt doesn't automatically be uh, forgiven by by any any stretch so all those machinations get a jump through from a financial statement point of view and and the cash flow issues you know not having the house and having the rent somewhere else possibly and then of course sprinkle on top of that those well sadly lost their jobs on top of it it, it um it really is uh, a challenging uh, period and this is um this is not going to be easy for for a lot of those folks. Sadly, they've got to get, get through just the psychological effects, uh, Craig, of of losing all your belongings except the shirt on your back, and then being faced with all kinds of financial pressure. It, it, it's kind of a double. Uh, uh, a double whammy. It is indeed. And of course, as you point out, a bit of a financial mixed bag as well in that there is uh, some upside to this in terms of the potential impact on certain trades in the economy. Certainly going to be a booming season for uh, construction people and contractors and things of this sort. And yet for people that have lost jobs and are, are challenged now to try to find affordable housing in an area that's already stretched for housing, as we know, uh, is going to prove to be uh, no doubt some challenging days and months into maybe a few years ahead for folks in Northern California that have lost their homes as a result of these devastating fires. There's Pat Vitucci, principal of Vitucci and Associates, wealth management expert, information on the web at don'tinvestandforget.com. Wow, sobering stuff. 532 and more ahead. We're going to take a look at um, updates on what's happening with the fires in both Napa and Sonoma at this hour as this edition of Lifeline continues. Right now, 533, and let's head back over to the KFAX Traffic Center for an update on your Thursday ride home. Michael Bennett has the latest in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. 537 on Thursday, the 12th of October, as our Northern California fire coverage continues. We had heard a report uh, about 20 minutes ago from Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center that there have been some traffic delays in San Francisco around the uh, Petro Hill neighborhood um, due to a grass fire there. Uh, Good news is now that grass fire that was at the intersection of 20th and Potrero Avenue is now out. Reports of flames first came into the San Francisco Fire Department at 4.30 p.m. Firefighters had the half-acre blaze extinguished in about a half an hour, and the good news is no structures were affected. How odd that 
a week ago, this would have never made this program or headline news, and yet tonight everybody is so sensitive to fire and what's been transpiring in Northern California that um, we, we see things like this jumping to attention. One of the big concerns, of course, in terms of fire is weather. Cal Fire officials keeping a close eye on weather in the coming days. Cal Fire Chief Ken Pimlot says that they are expecting critical fire weather through the weekend for much of the state. Of course, October tends to be dry season, Santa Ana winds, um, and with that, of course, throughout the, the months of the summer, drying out of vegetation and increased fire danger. That uh, concern over the weather and its impact on wildfires in both Northern California and Southern California um, is a grave one because of potential of shifting of winds that can lead to erratic fire behavior, pushing flames and smoke into different directions and frustrating and hampering the efforts of firefighters. Forecasters say the winds are expected to pick up again Friday night into Saturday morning. The death toll from wildfires in Northern California and the wine country continues to climb. At a news conference late this afternoon, Sonoma County Sheriff Rob Giordano said that spot searches continue in the burn zones looking for victims, emphasizing the fires in the county, especially in and around Santa Rosa, remain dangerous and that new evacuations continue to be underway. We have 15 confirmed fatalities related to the fire. We're working the missing persons cases. We are now at 1,000 reports, 603 located safe, and around 400 still outstanding. We're also working those cases that we've worked till the end, and now it's time to go search the house, and we've started spot searches to look for people in burn zones where it's safe and where we can. Cal Fire said that new resources are arriving to battle the flames. The largest fire in the area, the Tubbs Fire, has burned more than 34,000 acres and at this point is just 10% contained. Santa Rosa's fire chief said all crews have been finally called back from the fires thanks to arriving reinforcements and they are closer to returning back to normal operations there. Meanwhile, the mayor of Santa Rosa says his city is suffering a serious blow from the wildfires ravaging Northern California and the wine country. Right now we are looking at fire weather warnings and watches for critical fire weather throughout all of these fire areas through the weekend. In particular today, what we're watching very closely uh, are the communities of Calistoga, Sonoma, Middletown, and Geyserville. All of these incidents are feeling the effect of these resources coming into the state. Every incident this morning reported a large influx of fire engines, hand crews, and other firefighting equipment and personnel. What this means is our fires are going to continue uh, to burn erratically. They have the uh, potential to shift in any direction at any time. One of the big challenges hitting Santa Rosa tonight, of course, is the fact that there have been fire stations that have been burned down. Also, some of the sewage management stations have either been completely destroyed or are not properly functioning due to a lack of power. The mayor there, of course, continues to warn that the numbers and the death troll will continue to rise, urging residents to cooperate with authorities. And again, as we've said at earlier stages in tonight's broadcast, not to attempt to return to areas that have been evacuated until authorities have announced the all clear. Santa Rosa Mayor Chris Courtney says some municipal buildings have also been impacted by this tragedy. We know people are anxious to get into their neighborhoods to find out how their homes are doing and to get back to some 
sense of normalcy in their lives. It's going to take some time. Within those city limits, 2,834 destroyed homes and 400,010 square feet of commercial space. We've also um, had some critical infrastructure destroyed in our city, including our newest fire station at the top of Fountain Grove Parkway and two sewer lift stations. Difficult numbers to even begin to wrap our minds around. 2,834 buildings destroyed in the city limits of Santa Rosa. Not in the totality of the fire area, just in the city limits of Santa Rosa. We certainly tonight want to uh, encourage and urge you to continue to pray for the individuals and families that have been impacted by this terrible tragedy that continues to burn out of control. We're at 543. We're going to pause, get you an update on some traffic, come back to more of our news concerning the ongoing wildfires in Northern California. But, of course, as we have seen uh, the impact in that section of the area, um, tremendous by the fire on traffic. We're not without our own concerns here in the immediate Bay Area because of traffic and a number of delays, including delays at the San Francisco airport of up to two and a half hours due to poor visibility because of the smoke from the fires in Northern California. Let's get a look at what's going on traffic-wise. Once again, Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. It is 549 and make it 550 here on the Thursday, October 12th edition of Lifeline. We continue to report on the fires burning in Northern California. We've got some information now into the KFAX newsroom that the widow of Peanuts creator Charles Schultz escaped the flames the fires in Sonoma, but unfortunately, the home of Charles Schultz and his widow did not. Schultz's son, Monty Schultz, says the fire touched the Santa Rosa homes of his stepmother, 78-year-old Jean Schultz, and his brother, Craig Schultz. She is now staying with relatives, and now the most recent news is that um, the home has been destroyed. Apparently, the home where his famous cartoon of creator father died and all of the memorabilia that were in it are now gone. Fortunately, most of the original art week, art, artwork rather, in the Charles Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa has so far escaped the flames. Smoke from Northern California's deadly fire, wildfires sending air pollution levels soaring in the San Francisco Bay Area and across the region. San Francisco State University canceled classes through Sunday, as we mentioned a moment ago, due to the unhealthy air quality. More than 200 flights in and out of San Francisco International Airport have been scrubbed due to low visibility from heavy smoke. Right now, airport authorities are reporting delays of up to two and a half hours for arrivals. Professor at UC Berkeley School of Public Health compared the air quality in the Bay Area to living in Beijing, telling the Los Angeles Times that even some students at the campus in the East Bay had been wearing masks throughout the day. Officials are advising residents, particularly young people or elderly with respiratory problems, to stay indoors and set their air conditioning units to recirculate inside air. CAL FIRE REPORTING THAT A TOTAL OF 21 
Wildfires are burning across the state. More than 191,000 acres have been burned, and as many as 29 individuals have now been confirmed dead, according to authorities. Sonoma County has had the most fatalities so far, with 14. Individuals say, uh, officials say that the Tubbs fire in Napa and Sonoma counties is about 10% contained at this hour, with some 35,000 acres burned. The neighboring Atlas fire continues burning and has so far destroyed more than 43 3,000 acres. That fire, only 3% contained. As we've seen, of course, with the tremendous destruction of property, then too with it, tremendous loss of life. Authorities are actively looking for bodies of victims from the deadly wildfires throughout Northern California. At a news conference today, Sonoma County Sheriff Rob Giordano said that the search and rescue teams continue to look for individuals that have perished in the tragedy, looking in specific areas and searching for specific individuals. We're doing targeted searches. We have teams of people who are going out searching for a very specific person based on the missing person's case to a very specific place. 437 of the 900 are safe. 463 are still outstanding. 14 deceased is the new number today. We're using search and rescue team members. And we have cadaver dogs up here that basically can scent bodies and help us find people. Area has to be safe for us to get in. It's going to be a slow process right now, still active fire zones. Giordano, of course, once again mentioned that the death count in the county now stands at 14. Some 29 have died because of the fires in Northern California since Sunday. FEMA is now designating Travis Air Force Base as a support base for the Atlas Fire. The base has already been assisting with firefighting efforts and supplying electrical generators, but FEMA has added three additional tractor trailers of food, 15 ambulances, and a bus. Tomorrow morning, the base expects 100 more ambulances and 22 additional tractor trailers. Authorities in Mendocino County say two more people have been found dead in the area known as the Massive Redwood Fire. Cal Fire says the blaze has chewed through more than 32,000 acres and is only 5% contained. The fire is burning in an area north of Highway 20 and west of Mendocino National Forest. There are as many as five known victims who have died in that fire. Meanwhile, with these wildfires and the impact on Bay Area air quality has meant that a lot of damage has been done to the environment. So far, according to authorities, the fires over the last several days have put out the pollutant that's equivalent to the number of 35 million cars and trucks in an entire year. The Environmental Protection Agency reports that smoke is affecting air quality not only here in Northern California, but also in neighboring states Nevada, Oregon, and Idaho. Further north of us, the Cascade Fire, burning northeast of Yuba City, is now 45% contained. The fire broke out Sunday near Cascade Way and Marysville Road and has burned through more than 10,000 acres. The Yuba City Sheriff says that two victims were located Tuesday at a home on Douglas Way in Loma Rica. Evacuation orders remain in place for portions of Loma Rica and Browns Valley north of Highway 20. The good news is that we're getting reports now that Northern California fire officials are beginning to make some progress in containing at least some of the fires. 
Napa County Fire Chief Barry Berman says they've been able to contain some areas of the wildfires over the last 24 hours. Let's get the latest. The uh, wind event that was predicted to blow through the night uh, in today did materialize quite to the level uh, as predicted. So that gave us a better opportunity to have uh, more containment on our fires. We're still in red flag conditions as we have low humidities today uh, until uh, late this afternoon, early evening. Additional resources continue to come into these incidents, which is uh, starting to give us the upper hand, allowing us to uh, switch over from strictly structured defense and, and protecting lives to actually getting some containment started. He went on to say that the red flag warnings are still in effect as dry conditions persist. Mandatory evacuations are still in place for many areas in the region. Power has been restored, though, to about 25,000 residents. The death toll so far, the devastating wildfires, now stands at 29. We mentioned about the issue of pollutants in the Bay Area and low visibility. These smoky conditions are now impacting San Francisco International Airport. About an hour and a half ago, visibility there was just seven miles, causing a number of arriving flights to be delayed up to two and a half hours on average. And airport authorities indicate that will continue for the next several hours. So once again, if you are expecting somebody to arrive at San Francisco International Airport, you would be well advised to check with the airline first to determine whether or not that air flight, uh, air flight has been delayed. So far, again, uh, we've seen some 200 flights scrapped in the last several days and delays right now reported by SFO of up to two and a half hours. I'll mention um, a repeat of a story we talked about a little bit earlier as a result of the air condition in the Bay Area. Um, A number of schools, of course, throughout the North Bay have canceled classes in through Monday. San Francisco State University is also canceling classes. They've announced that uh, classes are canceled from now through Sunday. Closures affect the main San Francisco State campus, as well as the downtown and Tiburon satellite locations. However, the Wellness Center will remain open on the main San Francisco State campus to provide services for students and for members. Coming up on 6 o'clock from KFAX, let's get uh, an update for you right now. Take a look at traffic conditions as we head over to the KFAX Traffic Center. The latest with Michael Bennett. Michael, how are we doing out there? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.